You're listening to The OK Show, a podcast brought to you by The Current. Everybody's got their something. We all are crazy. <laughs> like, we're all crazy, and it's okay to be crazy. Um, so let's all talk about it so we can be less crazy. As people who struggle with mental health issues, that's like the most common feeling. But I think that there has to be a point where you allow yourself to be vulnerable, be sad, be hurt. Even if it's a sad subject matter, there's something that's really life-affirming in that process of listening to music that moves you. How about we all stay alive so you can continue to make great music? How about we all just stay alive? Hey there, you're listening to The OK Show. This is a podcast where real musicians talk about their real lives I'm your host, Andrea Swenson, and this is episode number 21. Wow, how did we do that? I have no idea. It's been a lot of amazing conversations here on this podcast. I started it almost a year ago now. I recorded my first episode, I believe, in August of 2015. So here we are, almost a full year later, still digging it, still loving having these amazing, vulnerable conversations with musicians. And today's guest is someone that I'm really excited about because I wanted to talk to her for a long time. I wanted to meet her for a long time. Uh, Before we had this conversation today, I had only seen her perform live and I was transfixed by her onstage persona because she not only is extremely charming and charismatic and just kind of a natural born performer, but she also has one of the best and biggest voices that I've ever heard. I am talking about Davina Sowers of Davina and the Vagabonds. I got a feeling something ain't right. I don't know what to do. I've got a black cloud hanging over my life. They told me to go talk to you. One of the funny things about doing this podcast is that oftentimes we are sitting down in front of these microphones in my home having a conversation, perhaps for the first time ever. Sometimes these are people that I only know from that relationship of me in the crowd and them on stage. We've never really talked. And then all of a sudden, we are talking a lot about some very, very serious stuff. It's kind of like a first date, but instead of, you know, just having all the fumbling nervousness happen between the two of you, it's happening in front of microphones, and a lot of people might hear it. So yeah, episode 21 of The OK Show, a conversation with Davina Sowers of Davina and the Vagabonds. So um, Ask away. Yeah. So I'll start by saying, uh, hello, Davina. Welcome Hi. to The OK Show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Absolutely. No, I was excited. Okay. A little nervous. Yes. Well, Just see, to let you know. I get nervous. With each one. I've done... What's well, new people? A few like, dozen now. And yeah, I'm still... Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but I like it. I like doing things that make me a little nervous. Good. Yeah, break out of your box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. They say to scare yourself once a day. Ooh. So you scared me today. Thanks. Woohoo! <laughs> Check that one off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Success. So I am interested in doing this because I don't actually know you at all. I know. Um, this is our first time ever really talking to yep. each other. And um, it's interesting because I basically am asking you to tell me your life story, story the first never, time we yeah. meet. That's um, all right. <laughs> my heart's on my sleeve. So, But yeah. I was very moved uh, getting ready for this. I watched a video that you did 
for Hazelden. Sure. Um, for mm-hmm. Hazelfest, I think a couple of years ago yeah. now. Yeah. And you were so open about your experiences, um, which made me think perhaps you'd be open again to talk to me. <laughs> Just hopefully I won't cry <laughs> like a nutbag like I did there. I was Skyping from Switzerland. That was it was really weird, wow. you know, and it was the first time I really talked in depth about my addiction. So it was mm-hmm. like it was a bit crazy and then you know dude didn't know me at all like he did you know obviously he knew that I was um recovering but poor guy was probably like oh my gosh I'm like I'm sure that's to be no I know but it was you know but yeah but I'm glad you removed yeah Yeah. it was um so I almost kind of don't know where to start (laughs) but (laughs) why don't you just start you know at the beginning tell me where you grew up um sure um I grew up in a railroad town Altoona Pennsylvania um, Conrail, which was, you know, a, uh, it was just a railroad town. My father was a former the spring shop. My mom is, uh, she, who I considered my father was her fourth husband and he was born in 1902. Oh, so wow. he adopted me. So I have his last name, which is Sowers. <clears throat> my original name, my real father's last name is Cupper. So I used to be Davina Beth Cupper, but now I'm Davina Marie Sowers. I don't know why they changed my middle name. Oh, interesting. Yeah, crazy. What happened to Beth? I don't know. I don't know. I like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Just Marie. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just grew up there. It's a really economically depressed town. You know, import-export through railroad wasn't really, isn't the bee's knees anymore. It's just not the way things are done. And so, you know, I think when you have places like, you know, Detroit or even Altoona, which is even on a small scale, it, it just, you know, kind of becomes a hard place to grow up in. And then, you know, I'm not really central Pennsylvania, like normal for them. I don't know what else, I don't know what that even means. And I don't mean to down them in any way. And, and be, you know, um, I just definitely they were not ready for me. <laughs> I could just put it that way. Do you know what I mean? Town yeah, in. like I was the girl that wore like used bowling shoes. She got it salvation army in second grade and you know and which is maybe normal in big cities for people to be able to express themselves but it wasn't where i came from it was i was definitely uh didn't really fit in very well <gasps> no, i can relate i'm from a small town it's, as well it's yeah. weird yeah it you know it kind of affects you even through uh socially you know it's, i'm still kind of an outsider like i don't have a lot of friends and mm. not that because people don't like me but maybe they don't Oh my gosh. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, so I grew up there and I grew up in a really dysfunctional home. My mom has borderline personality disorder. She's totally uh, won't accept it. She's just a little bit mommy dearest Joan Crawford um, in a way. So it was really tough. And I left when I was 15. And I've been on my own since I was 15. You know, when you do that, you make really bad decisions. You hang out with adults that hang out with 15 year olds, you mm. know, and they're not really obviously balanced human beings if that's where they're finding company. And so I think my drug use just really started there, you know, um, really young, mm. re- like 13, you know, I just bypassed and did, you know, it just happened very quickly, you know, cause that's really all there was to do in that town is mm. hang out with bad kids. They were the ones that you know, got music and right. introduced me to the Violent Femmes and, you know what I mean? And, and you know, that's just who I hung out with. Who else was I supposed to, you know? Right. So, and, uh, 
I got into um, heroin, which is an epidemic in central Pennsylvania. It, it might be, I, I still keep up and see, um, you know, it's still a problem, massive problem, especially in the economically depressed areas. People from big towns go in and just saturate with drugs. And um, so I had a good heroin addiction for probably a decade. Mm. And um, I got a, a train ticket to go to New Orleans. And I think I was eight. I can't, I would think I was like 17 or 18. I ended up back in Altoona. And I'm like, I'm going to kick. And I'm going to kick drugs. And I'm going to get on this, go to New Orleans. Why New Orleans? Horrible decision. But I couldn't make it. And I left and ended up in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh ended up in Key West. Key West, I ended up in California. Wow. And this whole time, I'm carrying an addiction. Mm. So... I ended up in Key West homeless, back in Key West homeless, and, um, like, homeless. Like, no joke. Yeah. Like, eating out of trash cans, homeless. And um, I was clean, though, and that's where I got clean. I went into seizures. That's how bad my addiction mm. was. I had to go to the hospital. My withdrawals were horrible. And, uh, you know, for certain people, I, just that, that rock bottom thing that people talk about. And I firmly believe, and I don't know if people are going to disagree with me, but I firmly believe that addiction is a symptom of an illness, which is mental illness, which I obviously suffer from, you know, um, anxiety and depression. Um, I, I have partial characteristics of borderline personality disorder because of my mom so I'm very detached and somewhat empathetic sometimes and it it gets tough you know hmm. or I'm overly empathetic you know so but um I made it I made it out of it I don't know what happened um but it was it's a miracle I mean it's a it's a miracle it really is You must be losing your mind You must be losing your mind You took my money, it was a sin That you drank up my rye in my gin Now you won't even let me in You must be losing your mind People have no idea here, right? you know, who I used to be right? at all You know, I tell them like, I used to be a heroin artist, but they're like, oh, okay. Right. And it's a serious, serious thing. Addiction is, you know, so rapid and so um, common. Uh, and there's some sort of stigma on mental illness and some sort of stigma on addiction. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're really looked down upon. And it's it's unbelievable to me people can be that ignorant at this age knowing what they know at this point still so I am proud of my mental illness and I am proud of me being a recovering addict um and I will never not be you yeah. know but uh yeah so that's kind of it and now I just hustle I'm still suffer from anxiety and depression and you know um I just don't I deal with life uh, you know a lot of people in the on the tables they say life on life's 
terms, you know, and yeah, and uh, that's just how I just deal with it when it comes, and I don't, you know, try to cover it up. Yeah, I like to eat. Sometimes chocolate helps. Mm, chocolate yeah. <laughs> and cake. So you mentioned it had been a decade of heroin. Yeah. When you got clean, was there a moment or a experience? I mean, homelessness, and that's obviously. I think it just, I couldn't do it anymore. Like, I literally had no veins left in my arms. Mm. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't function. You know, I would get sick after four hours. Wow. You know, um, it got really, it just was really ridiculous, you know, and people aren't built to do that. And when you're in it, you are built to do it it's weird you know you can't get out of it it's 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 like this impossible it's just hopeless and horrible and I think with me I had to just like I have to do with everything else just like my career and just like everything I have to work really hard and make mistakes and learn myself I was in rehab quite a number of times I definitely had people that you know uh, were telling me obviously I had issues, but I think I had to just get there myself. Yeah, just like everybody says. Yeah, and I didn't believe any of them at the time, but it's true, you know. And then I started realizing, like, you know, I obviously suffer f- from some issues that I'm covering up, and you know, um, not to place blame on other people, but it there definitely was n- some issues with other people you know as a child that I couldn't choose to to do anything with you're you're stuck with it yeah you know so that was you know tough I think um and I still work through that yeah I don't think it's something that you ever get over when you deal with a family member or a parent that has you know mental illness it's and you have mental illness right. it's, it's really tough you know so Wow. Yeah. So when did music start to enter into the picture? Music as a kid. My mom was a mofo. She was a folk singer. She sang and played guitar. Um, you know, I since I was six, you know, I was stealing her vinyl. Um, I was like super into folk and um, into classic rock, like, you know, at, at like six till I think... I started really getting into like blues, heavy English, rock and roll, like Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. when I was like 13 or 14 and the Beatles, you know, and so it was just family stuff. And then Bauhaus, I went through Major Sisters of Mercy and, you know, uh, just some crazy, you know, everything I could because music just was really all I had yeah. just to, you know, f- f- feel right feeling what I felt when listening to it, I guess is the way you would explain it you know yeah did it seem like something that you could do I love to sing this wasn't planned like I didn't plan on like I'm gonna join a band (laughs) and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna try to work at the Whiskey Junction every Tuesday (laughs) for pizza for the first five years of my career is that what happened no I don't know I'm exaggerating (laughs) I mean well I mean it it was yeah anyway we could talk for hours about (laughs) business but anyway um but I, you know, I always sang. I always enjoyed singing. My mom seemed to think I, um, she was really encouraging. She really was, you know. Uh, she was into music, and it was something that we could at least somewhat 
bond on, I guess. Um, you know, she taught me how to play like House of the Rising Sun on guitar. I think that was the first song I learned mm. and stuff like that, you know. But I never, I always enjoyed it. I always loved it. I took piano since I was six. Um, and I always just sang. It's just something I've always done. I think every singer probably says that. Like, you know, singing in the mirror and their hairbrush and, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's something I've always loved to do, even in my addiction. Not as much, mm. but, you know. When I lived in Key West um, and I first started getting clean, I was a busker and I played guitar on the streets. And that's how I made enough money to get some chili at Wendy's and hang yeah. and do you know what I mean and stuff yeah. like that but it was a good time because it really it was a horrible time it was a good time because I was clean and it started to get me to realize that I could sing in front of people and start writing and stuff like that wow. so do you remember writing your first song I do I mean I remember as a kid writing songs the best writing I started doing was here in Minneapolis mm. for sure hands down the first you know I moved here maybe when I was I think three months clean. Oh wow! Um, and and I just hit the ground running when it came to music. You know, like I just I think my best writing started to happen once your brain starts clearing a little bit. Um, the first song I wrote here was um, it's it's called um, Bee Sting, which is I do it on the uke, but I I I first started it on the guitar in the basement I lived in Frogtown and that's the first place that I lived at when I moved here and it's uh the lyrics are like um I'm sick of seeing the same old things it's about taking a different road you know and kind of the reasons of, of making different decisions and you know um wh whether that road's good or bad at least it's different and, and, and it's taking you up and around it and not the same path that you're on and that kind of it sounds so lame just explaining it to no, you, it but, but it's <laughs> it's not a bad song, you know. I think my writing did get a little bit better after a while, but um, but yeah, I still sing it to this day. Oh, I, wow. You know, it's my second to last song almost every every gig, so. You know when you walk down the street, you see the same people that you always meet. Don't be surprised. If I walk on by without a looking back or waving or saying bye This time I'm gonna take a different road Let's hope it takes me up behind below I'm gonna take a different road home I'm sick of saying the same old thing The same old bee and the same old sting I'm sick of making the same old bread The kind you eat and you're still not fed this time I'm gonna take a different road Let's hope it takes me out behind below I'm gonna take a different road home I'm really interested in the idea of music as catharsis and kind of the physiological effects that it can have on yeah. us what does it feel like to you when you're performing it depends on the situation um you know I've cried on stage mm. I have felt really proud um I've been angry you know because it is a job and um at times if I mess up you know I'm a perfectionist but 
it really is a euphoric thing when you definitely feel connected with the audience and the music and the people on stage. I mean, really, I think maybe thinking of it really when it comes down to, that's probably the most important thing for a musician is having that communication with the people on stage because I think that that will then lead to the, you know, vibe that the the audience feels, you know. Yeah. But um, I've gone on the stage really sick and felt, 100 percent better after i was done mm. you know i've had root canals and still did a gig and it just kind of takes pain away i have a friend who is as cancer and she i honestly believe if she would have stopped working she would have passed away mm. you know um she says it you know i mean i don't want to but it, it pulled her through some of the sickness i don't think it healed her maybe it did i don't know but i know that it you know it kept her going and it healed her and the energy helped her and singing emotionally and getting it things off of her chest helped her. And I think it does with me too. Yeah. You know, I would have probably killed someone a long time ago. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Cause I can kind of relate. I play, I play piano just like for fun, but it's a beautiful piano by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, I was like, Oh, you can play it if you want. Bam, I will. That'd be cool. But I, I yeah I don't I wouldn't consider myself like pro level or anything but I definitely connected to it in high school because I could play really loud and it was like the one time I could be really aggressive and like get the rage out a little bit yeah ah it's like Ben folds yeah you know he like tapes his fingers yeah it it is it's nice it's a physical thing you know um yeah I just feel so much better Mm -hmm. you know I get tired we we I work a lot I do you know but um, you know, writing and, and doing that. There's so many, so many different levels of, of being a musician. It's kind of weird, you know, but, um, it definitely is freeing and, you know, it's just my way of being able to, you know, kick ass and not have to, you know, I can be sad and not make an excuse. Mm-hmm. I can be a bitch and not make an excuse. I can say whatever I need to say not have to say I'm sorry at all when I'm on stage and people will accept it well they seem to you know um so I think that that's a really cool thing yeah you know not a lot of people can have the opportunity to do that you know yeah so do you think it feels acceptable because you're kind of playing a character on stage sometimes yeah sometimes I'm not sometimes I'm definitely me I think it's a lot easier to play a character you know but I think people can smell through that. Yeah. But um, I'm still genuinely me. I'm just a little bit me plus, <laughs> you know? It's just me with a little more sugar, a little more vinegar. You know, I think it's easier to write in character, too. Mm. I think it's it's really hard. I don't know how you are with... Uh, do these people know you have anxiety? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I talk about it. I'm the like, time. do these people know about you? Like, is it what's up? Like, are they in? They're probably are so they in the know? Okay. But I think you know when when you're like when you have anxiety, I think it's just so overwhelming. I don't know if you physically get it too, but you're tight chested. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't breathe. Sometimes I cry for no apparent just because I can't handle anything right, right. there. It's just like things just block off. So I think, you know, a lot of times when you think about, you know, it's 
stress that had happened before, something you want to write about that hurt you. I think sometimes it's difficult to really be honest because you just can't. You just don't know how to express it. So right. like if I pretend, you know, I'm I'm Joanne that just got, you know, her heart broken, maybe it's a little bit easier. Even though I'm still Joanne. That sounds so weird. But it's just easier to, to do that, you know. Um, and it's not all the time, but and I think on stage, uh, if I'm sad that day, like, and I'm like, five foot two, I, like, I'm, you know, like, <laughs> yuck, 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 you right. know, I definitely have to be like, I am somebody else right now enjoying right. this song, you know. But all in all, I think it's just, like I said, me on steroids, you know. Yeah. I like not being able to, I'm, I like not, not having to apologize. It's like my favorite thing, you know. It's like when you're a kid and you grow up around people that are constantly kind of like, you're different, you're weird, whatever you're saying is just out like, who are you? Mm-hmm. I think as an adult or even as a teenager that's going through that, being able to express yourself in that way and not have to apologize is like the best feeling. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of like piss off. You know, this is me. This is what I'm feeling, you know. Right. So. Finally got my feet back on the ground. The clouds are clear. Hang on away. Nothing's ever gonna bring me down. And my smile is finally into stage. I feel like you kind of gravitate between these different worlds of jazz and pop and like people don't quite know where to put you and um, the jazz world here is very tight-knit and somewhat small. (laughs) I'm not in any world in (laughs) Minneapolis just let you know nobody I think I think when I first got here you know there's massive amounts of haterade in in the music world which is really weird and I think that there's a good community. For me, I made my own community. And I don't know any other community. Mm. I know names. I've met people. Hey, what's up? How are you? You know, I've been like snubbed, you know, and kind of not really talked to, which just an FYI, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really don't. Yeah. I'm here to be successful. I want to be successful. I want to spread the word of of what I want to spread. And if you want to hate on me because I don't know why, that's your problem. But um, anyway, sorry to be... I'm not trying to be negative because that's just how it is, you know. We're not in any world. I don't... We're not in the jazz world. We're not in the blues world. We're not... We're not in, like, doom tree world. (laughs) We're not in, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, we're just kind of us. And, you know, I think it was... It's... Uh, a lot of people when we when I first started we worked so much I think people just assumed maybe we were a cover band or a straight ahead blues band you know they just saw us working all the time but it it was because we were really just truly doing what we wanted to do and that was it and I think that that was the the success that this band has had in the cities yeah what you know what success we've had yeah you know 12 years I've been here you know so and we tore a lot 
So we're not really here either. So that kind of helps. Tell me more about being a touring professional musician (laughs) and the stigma around mental illness and addiction and kind of trying to balance this life with your real life. (laughs) I have a lot of responsibility on me um, as a band leader. I think being a band leader and being a musician are two separate things. Mm. Um, I mean, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't go to a bar and want to drink because I see it because we're in that atmosphere. Like I'm, uh, I'm seriously with a group of band geeks. Like I'm Uber Square. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. collect Edwardian Victorian jewelry. Like that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think a few times I've been offered drugs. I think you know, and it was like coke, and I'm like, are, where are you from the '80s? Like where have you been? Like that's you know, get your disco ball out of here. No, I'm just joking. But it was, you know, just a few times. It's it's something like, I don't know if it's people just look at us and go, ah, they're, <laughs> they're not going to partake because you know, we're just all really, really geeky. But um, like, I, you know, I, I think just keeping busy is really helpful. You know, I get really stressed. The business is really stressful. It's really dog eat dog. It's a man's world. It's really mm-hmm. crazy. You know, um, I have to keep it all together. You know, I'm, I keep four people employed full time. That is their job. Like I pay them every week uh, the same thing, whether they work or not. And mm. so that puts a lot of pressure on me. You know, I'm the one that does all the road management, all of the flight buying. So it's it can be really stressful at times. And, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I'm really type A. Um, I'm really socially, I get anxiety, especially with the vagabonds, because, you know, there's a fine line of friendship and I want to treat them right, and, you know, I'm not the easiest person because I, I, I am have mental illness, so it's really tough, you know, because you have to keep it together, and if you don't, you, you feel like, are they judging you? Like, um, you know, and I have to be honest with you, like, people fold. Mm. The, I, people, you know, your husband isn't going to fold, and my, my future husband is going to fold, but when people are generally around you and aren't really close-knit, and or maybe your employees. It's really weird because I'm with them almost every day, but I'm I'm not on that level with them. Right. Do you know what I mean? So you know, they kind of just fold and they kind of back off and, you know, um, and then you feel even more alone because you're like, I, I don't have anybody. Yeah. You know, I'm like spending hours and hours in a van and but we get on stage and that's when I have them you know and that's when we have each other and that's when it feels right you know and so that's what makes everything kind of sane for me I think on the road but um and just the music period yeah you know what would you say to someone who is struggling with whatever and maybe listening to this and doesn't have any of the tools that you mentioned in their toolbox yet and I mean I would I definitely would say for them to reach out to other people to not be afraid if they do reach out and they meet an asshole then reach out to another person you know and just not to give up that you're not alone you know that there are people that will understand um it might seem it's hard to, to find them, but they are there. Probably seek therapy would probably be the best, you know, as well. Um, especially if you're suicidal, definitely tell somebody, you know, because 
you absolutely just have to. No question about it. Just take my advice. You have to. Tell them. <laughs> no. But just to hang in there, I guess, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm always searching. You know, I've been I've been clean for, you know, over a decade now. And I'm still, I mean, I figure some things out, sure. But I think all in all, what I'm striving for is balance and loving myself. You know? And I think for some reason... It's really hard with people who have mental illness to love themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just trying to learn how to do that the best I can, you know. So wish me luck, folks. You can do it. Yeah. (laughs) Wish me luck. That's it. That is the conversation that I had with Davina Sowers of Davina and the Vagabonds. Head over to thecurrent.org for a transcript, some of the highlights from today's conversation, and an archive of this audio. Don't forget you can subscribe to The OK Show on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you prefer. We've got a lot of episodes now for you to dig into. So if you're just getting around to The OK Show now, well, first of all, welcome. I'm Andrea. Thank you for listening. And second, dig into these archives, 21 conversations with musicians from the Minnesota music community. Thank you to everyone who has been participating. And until next time, it's going to be okay. When I saw you and that girl woke you. I won't rather go I want to rather go blind boy.